0: Hey, Cornerstone, how you guys doing? Right on. Hey, today we're starting a new series together called The Prodigal God. Um, If you've been around church world for a while, you might know this story framed from different language. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story that we commonly refer to, if you have a faith background, you know this, as the prodigal son. And um, what you and I are going to discover together over the next couple of weeks together is that it's not just this one son that's prodigal in the way that he acts and the way that he lives his life, but it's actually both the father and 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 both his sons are, are all prodigal. Because if you if you look the word prodigal up in the dictionary, th- this is what you'll find. You'll find prodigal is defined as wastefully or recklessly expensed. You got this picture of this expense or this, this outlay of cash, this this choice to spend something in a, an absolutely lavish over-the-top fashion. And what you and I are going to discover together is that what makes sense to us, if you know this story, it makes sense the younger brother, you know, gosh, we know that he's prodigal, right? He takes his inheritance and goes and squanders it. But what we're going to see together is that older brother is prodigal as well in, in his overabundance of pride and his judgmental spirit. And then the father as he comes along and he offers this crazy, crazy amount of forgiveness, not just to the younger brother, but to the older brother as well it's a story that's been commonly referred to also as the story of the lost son because right before it you've got Jesus telling a story about a, a lost sheep and then a lost coin and and then he tells a story about this lost son and and, and seemingly in church world we've kind of bunched all those the three things together saying it's basically the same story and while there's some similarities you and I are going to find over the course of the next couple of weeks, there's some real glaring differences that Jesus takes that third story to a whole nother level. So I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we grab our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15, and let's just dive in together and and figure this thing out. It's the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start at the very beginning and try to outlay and try to figure out um, this story. And I think you know, a good way for us to begin to understand the scriptures is to try to figure out the context in which the conversation takes place. And so let's, let's start there. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the religious uh, teachers and religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. Now, your Bible may translate that as, as these religious leaders were murmuring under their breath. They were muttering. They were com- complaining amongst themselves. And so you've got this picture. As Luke 15 starts off, you've got Jesus hanging out with these, you know, quote, unquote, low life of society at that time, these notorious sinners as the, as the Bible describes it. And then you've got these teachers of the religious law over here who are just indignant and totally ticked off at Jesus because, because of him, you know, orienting his time and hanging around with them, Right? Now, Jesus, being God and understanding the hearts of men, picks up on this moment, and he begins to teach, and he begins to teach by telling a story, and Jesus did this role often called parables, and he tells a story about this guy who's a shepherd, and he's got all these sheep, and, he, and one sheep is lost, and, and he leaves the 99 that are not lost, and he goes and finds the one that is lost, and he brings it home, and if you know the story, there's a huge celebration, you know, I found the sheep that was lost, it's really exciting, And and heaven would teach, and the scriptures would even say that heaven would say it this way, that heaven is more excited, the heart of God is more attuned towards the one who is lost than all the ones that are safely in the fold. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to draw a line between those notorious sinners and the teachers of the religious law. And those teachers of the religious law who are already indignant and ticked off at Jesus for hanging out with his notorious sinners, they're they're, they're just starting to fume, you know, their blood's just starting to boil. Because he's he's saying, wait, 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 God cares more about them than me. Well, he he knows what's going on in their hearts, and he begins to needle them even more. And he tells them another story. He He says, there's a woman who's got a bunch of money, and she loses some of it. And she goes and looks for it, and she finds it, and she throws a huge party. And and heaven is like this, is that God celebrates that which was lost and now found, as opposed to what was already there. And the Pharisees are just ticked at this moment. It's interesting, I think, to contextualize this for us, a couple of weeks ago, how many of you guys participated in serve day, just so I know? Yeah, like a ton of you guys. Yeah, I was right there with you, right, with our families and doing all this, the video you guys just saw. You know, so a couple of weeks ago, almost 3,000 of us served serve day. And a moment like that when the church becomes the hands and feet of Jesus and gets outside of the walls and actually does something and not just talk about it, man, that makes the heart of God absolutely smile. Heaven is pleased with us in moments like that. A couple weeks before that, many of you in this room, you decided, you know what, this room's not going to be enough for me. I'm not going to just come and sit in a purple chair on the weekend. I'm actually going to take a risk and I'm going to get involved in a Bible study. And literally hundreds of you guys signed up for Bible studies in small groups all over the place. And in, in in that moment, heaven is absolutely pleased. The heart of God smiles because God the Father sees us beginning to take ownership of our faith and beginning to grow up in our relationship with Him. But you guys get the scripture teaches that when one person who is far from home, one person who's far from home comes back to the Father, that all of heaven throws a party for that. That God is more excited about that than anything else. And the Pharisees hearing this get pretty ticked off. And Jesus goes further and he tells a story about a son who seemingly is lost, who runs away from home and comes back and the father throws a huge party. Sounds like the exact same story as the first two. But what you and I are going to find out together is that it's very different. And it has a lot more layers of complexity. We're going to unpack that story over the next couple of weeks together. Uh, in this series, Prodigal God. What you guys are, gonna, are, are and I are going to find out together is that it's not just the one son that's lost, it's, it's both sons that are lost, okay? What you and I are going to discover, I mean, it makes sense to us. We see that young rebellious son book and take off and, and take his money and run and try to figure out, I'm going to live life on my own. You know, that we can relate to. That makes sense to us, right? We can say, oh, of course, he's rebellious, he's separated from the father, he turned his back on his father, that makes sense to us, right? He's totally lost, that makes sense, he was very, very bad. The other brother, we're going to find at the end of the story, was equally lost by being very, very good, and by being a rule follower. And we're going to unpack that as we go along in the series, because, because it's you can be your own Lord and Savior two different ways. One, by saying, God, I don't really care what you have to say. I don't care about your lordship in my life. I want my way, not your way. I'm going to do what I want to do in life. That makes sense to us. We can relate to that. It's equally easy and perhaps even a little bit more seductive to be separated from the Father by being very, very good. And we're just getting to the point where, where I've been so good, I've followed all the rules I deserve. Heaven, if you listen to that, I've been good, I deserve, I have followed all the rules. There's no God or Savior in that. And you and I are going to discover in the next couple of weeks that both brothers were lost. We're going to discover in the next couple of weeks that neither one of these sons really cared about the father. They only cared about what they could get from the father. Does that make sense? How many of you guys have kids? A ton of you? You're going to relate to what I'm about to tell you. I was in San Diego not too long ago, hanging out with some other pastors, and I was there for a week, and I was, you know, I was ready to come home. Um, sometimes you're not ready to come home. I was ready to come home, and uh, I got home, and I got through the door, and all of a sudden it was, Daddy, 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 right? And they're all running to you, and they hug you, and, and, and then literally three seconds later, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my kids missed me. Why'd you get me? <laughs> right? They didn't care about me. They cared about what I got them, these chinchy little pens. and They were little San Diego pins that had water and with a little fish floating around. And you, you push them down and they light up. And, and, and then that kept them going for like two weeks, you know. They're in bed at nighttime pushing it down. You know, the batteries don't even work anymore because the things. But they didn't really care about me. They cared about what I got them. And, you know, it's kind of disappointing as a dad, to be completely honest with you. I, I wonder, how many times have we fallen into that? Where we've cared more about what we can get from God than truly understanding and loving the heart of the Father. Because both of these boys cared more about what they can get from their Father than the Father himself. The younger brother, again, it makes sense to us, it comes real natural, right? I mean, we look at that guy, and he just goes and says, Dad, I want your money. I'm out of here. Just give me my money so I can go. The older brother, at the end of the story, what you're going to find is this older brother basically throwing a temper tantrum, not willing to come to the party because he's like, Dad, I did everything right. I never rebelled. I never broke the rules. I did everything right. I deserve. He wanted stuff from the father too. He just went about it by being very, very good. There's two ways to be your own Lord and Savior. Both brothers we're going to find over the course of the next couple of weeks um, love the Father's things more than the Father himself. So let's jump into this. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this story. He tells this story about a dad who has two sons. And the younger son comes to his dad one day and says, Dad, i got, I got to talk to you. Can, can we talk in private? And as a dad, you know that when your son comes to you and says, I want to talk to you, i got to talk to you in private. Dad, I had something to say to you and I want you to hear it from me first before you hear it from other people. You know this is not a good moment, right? It's one of those moments and says, Dad, I, I think I want to leave home. I, I think I'm done being here. I think I'm done being underneath your authority in my life, Dad. I, I think I'm ready to move out. And Dad, what, it would really help a lot if you could give me my inheritance a little bit early, like before you die. <laughs> which, you know, Jewish culture is a sideways way of wishing, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. He said, Dad, look, listen, I, I, there's these things I want to do with my life there's these dreams that I have, Dad. I mean, there's these, there's these places I want to go that I've never been. There's these experiences I want to have that I've never had. There's people I want to meet that I've never met. And, and I just, I had these big dreams for my life, Dad. You just don't get it. And, and, and just life has got to be bigger than just being here with you, right? I mean, all I've ever known, Dad, is just being here with you. And, and frankly, it's not good enough anymore. I want more. And dad, if you would just give me my inheritance a little early, I think it would go a long ways to helping me get where I want to go. And the father, being a good father, ponders this in his heart for a moment. And instead of giving his punk kid what he deserved and slapping him in the next month, he says, all right, all right, it's a good idea. I'll give you my inheritance now. The kid's excited. He's elated. He goes to his room. He packs up all his stuff. He, he's loading it down in trunks and in his bags, and he's loading up his camel, and he's loading up his donkeys and all that stuff like that, and, and, he, and he says goodbye to his father and, and collects his inheritance, and he starts making his way off of his father's property, and he goes by that, that, that herd of sheep that he was tending the week before, and he's thinking to himself, I'm never going to have to sleep in the cold on the ground with a bunch of stinky sheep again. I'm so glad I'm out of this place. And he goes a little bit further after his father's property, and he sees the fields that he had been tending the month before, and he says, I'm never going to sweat in the afternoon, working my rear end off, tending my father's fields. I'm so done with this. Man, I'm so glad I am in charge of my life now. And he goes a bit further, and he sees his father's orchard as he's going off the property, and he sees these fig trees, and he thinks, As long as I live, if I never eat another fig, I'll be so happy. I'm so sick of eating figs. And he finally gets off his father's property, and he starts his way towards far country, the Bible says. And he starts seeing billboards for far country. It's closer than you think. And what happens in far country stays in far country. (laughs) And and if you know the story, you know that he's not quite as prepared for all that life has to offer him as he thinks he is. He's never taken any of Dave Ramsey's financial classes. He uh, doesn't handle his finances really well, and there's a downturn in the economy, the scriptures tell us, and there's some women involved, and some drinking involved, and some partying involved, and before you know it, the money's gone squandered his inheritance he goes to the atm hoping there might be something there he punches in his atm code his pin number and it says zero the money is gone this is a bad moment in this young man's life and truth of the matter is we know people like this right we do and we hear this story about this young man and we think dude, you're about to get exactly what you deserve. You disrespected your dad. You took off, think you could do it way better than, than, than you could do it at home. And, and, and you've just, you've totally botched up your life. You took a path you should have never taken. You've gone down a road you never intended to go down. You've separated yourself from the Father, and now you've made your bed in it. you got to lie in it, buddy, right? And we've been there. And some of us have friends who at work, you know, they seem me. they have the job and, and they've got the, the, the spouse and, and they've got the kids that love them and the car and the house and all that stuff. And they think, and it seems like their house, their their life is all in order. They've got this beautiful thing that people aspire their whole lives to get to. And yet they take this path in that moment that's absolutely confusing and surprising to us. They can't keep their hands off their coworker. And all of a sudden their life blows up and their life turns into this big train wreck. And, and, and some, something inside of us says, Dude, you blew it. You deserve everything you have coming to you in this moment. I mean, for some of us, we have family members. It's kind of weird because we grew up in the same home, right? And we turned out okay. Sort of. And we look at somebody else that grew up in the same home we grew up in, and we're like, what's wrong with you, right? I mean, I mean, for some of us we started covering for them at a very early age. We started doing their chores for them so they wouldn't get in trouble. We took their heat the heat for them so they wouldn't get in trouble. You know, now we find ourselves giving them money, and floating them for a little while. We find ourselves bailing them out. And you know, at first when we hear these kind of stories, we kind of feel bad for them at first, right? We kind of, oh man, it's oh bad bad call. Natural consequences hurt, but bad call and But after a while, when when someone runs down that path for a certain period of time, that compassion that we we felt in our heart, it begins to wane. And it turns to frustration. And frankly, for some of us, it's turned to anger. And we've got people in our family that we've totally written off. We've got people in our family that we're estranged from and we want nothing to do with. Because we basically said, forget you. You made your bed. You lie in it you come see me when you're ready to grovel. Then I'll walk with you. A lot of us respond in this moment that way. Others of us, on the other hand, we, we hear this story about this young man and we're like, ooh, I can relate to that. Because his story's our story, right? I mean, his story's my story. And there were years in my life where I, I was far more interested in girls and partying than my faith. I mean, I was going to church and doing the whole church thing, right, and just kind of playing along, and I looked as good as everybody else, I suppose, but no one really found out and knew what was really happening in my life. I had a friend, my wife and I were really close friends with this couple, and they were just a couple of years further along in life than we were. They had a couple of kids, great house, great job, the whole deal. They were leaders in the church we were a part of. She even mentored college-aged girls from the local college in town, and, and, and on, honestly, from the outside appearances, everything looked great, and wh- what happened next absolutely floored my wife and I, because we were real close with them, and we were good friends with them. We were absolutely shocked when we found out that this young lady decided to, to kind of go down this path of the younger brother. We were floored to find out that she had been sleeping with some other guy that wasn't her husband, and that she had an abortion, and that she got involved in a party scene, and kind of walked away from her family, even her kids, which for us, we just couldn't get our heads around that, you know? And it got so bad in this gal's life that she attempted suicide. And and when I come to Luke chapter 15 in my life, and I read this story about this younger brother who basically walks away from his father, walks away from home where he really belonged, it makes me ask the question, why did he run? I mean, why why did he run away from the very thing he was made for? Why do we run in moments like this? And the scriptures don't tell us why he ran. All we're left to do is sit and, and, and guess. I mean, did he run because he was curious? I mean, really was the whole grass is greener on the other side? All he ever knew was this whole life with his, with his father, and yet he thought he somehow was mysteriously missing out on something that was way better than home? And How many of you guys have kids? How many of you have been to the ER because of the curiosity of your children? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, come on, right? It was my daughter's, my oldest daughter. It was her fifth birthday, and we decided to do this big, like, birthday shindig thing. And I got one of those inflatable blow-up deals that you put the kids in, and they, like, bounce around like popcorn and push each other out of. And, and so I, I, I'm, I'm unfolding this thing in the backyard and plugging in the extension cords, and my wife is inside building a princess, you know, birthday cake. And um, we got a lot of princess stuff in my house right now. And so I can't wait till my son's older and we can blow, make cakes that blow up or something like that. So I'm I'm unfolding this blow-up thing that the kids are going to bounce around in, and I plug it in, and and it blows up, and it looks great. And I'm thinking, great, it's going to work. The party starts in about 15 minutes. Everybody's going to be here. And all of a sudden, all the air comes out of this thing. The motor goes off. And I'm thinking, great, one of the kids must have unplugged the extension cord, right? And I turn it around. No, it's still plugged in. Ooh, I bet I flipped a breaker. Oh. I wonder if this is going to work. I wonder if this breaker is going to keep tripping all afternoon. The party is going to be a failure, and it's going to be my fault. My wife's going to think it's my fault, you know. And you guys, you know, it happens. It's always your fault. (laughs) And it is. And so, I go to, I, I go to the breaker box, and sure enough, the breaker has been tripped over. And I try to turn it back on, and it won't. It won't come back on. It keeps tripping over. And I'm thinking, okay, great, now i got a problem. The thing starts in 15 minutes. I'm not an electrician. What do I do? So I go looking through the house to find out what's going on. And I go into our guest bedroom. And there in my guest bedroom is my five-year-old daughter. And my heart sinks. I mean, it's one of those you-go-pale kind of moments. Because my daughter, in her curiosity, found a staple on the floor and she thought that for some reason, in her little five-year-old reasoning, that staple belonged in the light socket. And she puts that little staple in the light socket, of course, the flips the breaker, and scared me to death as a dad. And fortunately, I got the staple out of there. My daughter was okay, and we had a great birthday party. But all that for this. You, you guys get that sometimes our curiosity leads us to a point that we experience pain that we never intended to experience, right? And sometimes we think, oh, there's got to be something more out there. I don't know if that's why he left or not. Maybe he left because he he finally did something incredibly stupid and he felt that this was going to be the last straw and his dad was just going to like kick him out of the house and he was going to be done with him. And he said, you know what, look, it's better for me just to go and concoct the story and leave and hide than it is for me to face the truth. I mean, a lot of times, a lot of us run because we're afraid of the consequences that are coming to us. We know we've done something dumb and instead of owning up, we go into hiding, don't we? I mean, for a lot of us, we'll go to great lengths to concoct stories and, and, and to run into hiding. Because if everybody, if everybody knew what was really happening in me, then I wouldn't truly be accepted and loved. In fact, there's people in this room right now, they feel they've gone so far for so long away from God that God couldn't even love them. I was in high school and I had just wrecked my brand new truck going down to the beach to go party and with some friends of mine my girlfriend and the six-pack of beer were in the floorboard there and um, buddy of mine was following me behind and we pulled the truck out of the ditch and um, we come up with this story hey, hey we're gonna go home or we're gonna tell my dad that this happened and we were doing this other deal and uh, we got our story straight and me and my buddy we go into to my house and see my dad in his living room And said dad man you would never guess what just happened to me man total bummer wrecked my truck wasn't my fault. I mean, I was going to a movie, and they were following me, and some dude cut me off, and I hit this mailbox, and it was, just, it was a bad moment, man, and he just took off, and I didn't get his license plate, and total hit and run, Dad. Can you believe that? What a jerk, you know? And my dad turns to my buddy and says, Son, that's not a good moment when your dad tells you to calls your friend son. Son, what happened? <laughs> this was a good friend. He rattled the exact same story up that I had just said right out loud to my dad. My dad looked at him and said, son, I think you need to leave. It was a bad night in the Alexander house that night. <laughs> but you guys get to. Sometimes we run because we're afraid of the consequences, right? Sometimes we run because it's easier to hide than deal with reality. Sometimes we run because we surround ourselves with the wrong people in life. I mean, the scriptures would put it this way in Proverbs, that he who walks with the wise will be wise, and he who walks with fools will suffer harm. I mean, maybe this young man surrounded himself with some just loser friends. I mean, we we rarely go down the road of stupidity alone, right? And, And so maybe he just had some just bonehead friends who said, hey, dude, your dad's loaded. Just go and get your inheritance early, and then we can literally party the rest of our lives away over in far country. Man, why don't you just do that? Maybe he just had some bonehead friends that he surrounded himself with. Or maybe, maybe he got sick and tired of living in the shadow of his older brother. Oh. You know, older brother who seemingly always did everything right, never did anything wrong, followed all the rules, brown-nosed to his dad. Dad, I did everything you wanted me to do today and more. Do I get a gold star? You just want to kick someone like that in their teeth, you know? <laughs> I mean, really, right? And that's, that's maybe, maybe, you know what it's like to live in a condition like that? You know what it's like to live with someone where you can never truly measure up, right? And you know what it's like to come home, you cook a meal, and you slaved away because from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock is the most painful life, painful two hours for any woman who's a mom, She's trying to get the kids taken care of from school. She's trying to cook a meal. Dad's coming home. He's grumpy from work. And the first thing he says is, dude, lasagna again? (laughs) She wants to take that lasagna and shove it so far down his throat. (laughs) I mean, do you know what it's like to live? I mean, some of your marriages are on the ropes right now because one of you is critical all the time. Some of your marriages are literally on life support right now because one of you feels like you can never measure up and no matter what you do, it's never good enough. Some of you work jobs where you work your rear end off. You do, and you do a good job. And everybody knows it except your boss because every time you bring a job to your boss, she says it's not good enough, go back and redo it. And you live in a situation like that long enough, you prolong that long enough and that'll make anybody wanna leave maybe he left because he could never measure up to his older brother I don't know why he left I don't know why are you running why'd you leave home why'd you run away from your father Let's pick it up, Luke chapter 15. Let's skip down a couple of verses. The money is gone, the scriptures tell us. Let's pick it up there in verse 14. He says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed the pigs. Not a good moment for a young Jewish boy. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired men have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. When he finally came to his senses, when the pain got so severe, when the money ran out, when he finally ran far enough, long enough, and he came to his senses, and he realized, oh my goodness, what have I done? What's it going to take for us to come to our senses? You know, in the role that I sit in as a pastor, I get to walk this moment with people quite frequently, to be honest with you. It's both a real sad moment and a really happy moment to see people come to their senses, because I've I've seen men who have actually train wrecked their marriages, lost their marriages because of an addiction to pornography. And yet on the other side of it, they realize, oh my goodness, what have I just done? Or I've seen, I've seen moms who've bought into these lies of all this image stuff and they've filled themselves with all these lies from the enemy that, that they'll never measure up, they'll never be pretty enough, they'll, they'll never be a good enough mom. And they've, they've battled this insecurity thing and, and they, they've never really realized that, that, that as a daughter, of the king, that they're loved and they're made in the image of their heavenly father and they're loved simply because they belong to him. And when women begin to get that at a soulish level, the lights come on and they say, oh my goodness, what have I done? Because I've built into my heart of my children a heart of insecurity for years. And I've made decision after decision after decision, driven out of a lie instead of the truth. I've seen people lose their marriages Because of partying, and I've seen people lose their children because of all kinds of bad decisions and come to their senses and say, Oh my goodness, what have I just done? And look, this is what it leaves me thinking, honestly. I could just be straightforward with you. It leaves me thinking, Oh my goodness, I mean, was running really that fun? I mean, it, it, being away from your father and being away from home, which you were created to be at. I mean, do you wake up every day feeling happy and content? I mean, is this really what you pictured in your mind was going to happen? Is this really where you wanted your life to land? I've got my porn, but I don't have my wife. I've got my bottle, but not my kids. I mean, I've got to buy a car or a new outfit to feel good about myself because I'm so insecure that I've got to put on airs and to try to fit in with other people who are just as insecure as I am and I've got to hide instead of coming out of hiding and so I run and I run and I run and I run further and further away. This is an amazing, amazing story that you and I are going to unpack with one another in the next couple of weeks and there's two words I want you to see Verse 17, when he finally comes to his senses, he has that, oh my goodness moment, what have I just done? He says to himself, and these next two words are paramount in the story, at home. You get the very first thing that goes through his mind when he comes to his senses is his father. It's home. It takes this young man partying his inheritance away to come to his senses and realize that that all he ever really wanted was at home waiting for him. And you may not get this but I think your soul will resonate with what I'm about to say. That you were made to be at home. You were made to be at home with your heavenly father And, and, and listen, believe it or not It is the only place you will ever truly feel home is with your father. And how ironic is it that the very thing that our souls long for and crave, how ironic is it that that's the very thing that we run from? And this isn't just the story of this young brother. This isn't just our story, guys. This is a story of humanity. If you go back to the very beginning, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sin and they and they what do they do? It's the very first thing they do after they sin. They go into hiding, don't they? They hide. And you and I have been following suit ever since because it's easy. It's it's like this warm, comfortable blanket to run into hiding because we're scared of being found out. And what's the very first thing that God does after they begin to hide? He goes for a walk in the garden like he always did. And he goes, Adam, Adam, where are you? He goes, looking for him. And years later, God would send his very own son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and I, to go looking for us, to woo you and I out of hiding. And guys, I don't care how far you've run, I don't care how long you've run, you know it, and I know it. You were made for home. And there's a loving Father that's waiting for you with open arms. And you can stop running today. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I pray that in this moment that you do what only you can do. And that through your Holy Spirit, that you would work in us. That you would woo us back to yourself. the God, that you would do whatever it takes to get our attention. the God, that our hearts would beat strong in our chest. God, that we'd be brought to the end of ourselves. That we'd, like this young man, we'd come to our senses and say, oh my goodness, what have I done at home? And God, today I pray that men and women all over this room would run home. Father, I love you, and I pray you take this conversation and do with it what you want. It's in Jesus' name I ask it.